here, gather in your name, and, and know that you brought us each here for a purpose. God, we just spent some, some time sharing with each other of the prayer requests that we have that are heavy on our hearts. Um, and so, God, I ask that you would look into our hearts deeper and, and understand the true uh, purpose behind each of those prayer requests. God, we do want to lift up the married couple on their, their travels um, as that was happened yesterday in a new union to signify who you are and what your love is, is taking place. And that's always a fun and exciting time. God, as we go into this message, I just pray that you would use me as your vessel and that you would speak through me and that the Spirit would be able to convey truths that each of us need to hear. You brought us all here for a purpose, and that's to hear something of the message today. And so, God, I just ask that our ears would be open, that our hearts would be willing to hear what it is that you have to teach us this morning as we talk about rest. We pray all this in your precious Son, Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So, um, I've been pastor here for over a little over a year now, and um, if one of my first sermons I did was talking to people about rest, I think everyone would have laughed at me. Um, rest is not something I do well, did well. I think I do it well now, um, to the point of I think everybody in my life told me that I needed to rest at some point or another because I was working a job doing about 70 hours a week, plus college ministry, plus this, plus another ministry in Waterville, and I run a ministry house. And so nonstop, just from one thing to another. Um, on top of that, I don't sleep much, and my job that I had was overnight. So it was work all night and then run around all day. Um, there were a few times where I, I came in um, to church and our other pastor, Steve, just told me to go home because he could see just how tired I was and knew that rest wasn't a good thing for me. Um, it took a couple of months to even realize just how bad I was at rest because physically I could do it. I could run around and do it. I, now, I wasn't healthy. That was obvious. Um, but I felt like I could do it, so I was like, I should do it. But then after a couple months of being berated by those that care about my well-being, not just spiritually, but physically, I realized that rest is an important thing. And so I started to, to think about it. I wouldn't say I acted upon it, but I started to think about it. Well, now, a full year later, I'm at a new job that's really easy, and rest has become something I do, I would say, okay. I'm not going to say I do it well, but I do it okay, because I still have my moments where I go off the walls. And so what I wanted to do today is kind of talk about rest, because we're getting ready to start a new series next week. Um, and so a filler one, we're getting right into the big swing of fall, school's starting back up, holidays are getting ready to start rushing in, and winterization up here in New Hampshire is always a big thing that people get ready for. And so rest just felt right to talk about because we're getting ready to go into a busy season. And so what I want to do today um, in looking at the topic of rest is look at these four things. One, we're going to look at what is rest according to the world. Secondly, we're going to look at what is rest according to the Bible. And then we're going to look at examples of rest, both Old Testament examples and New Testament examples. And then we're going to close with what does taking rest involve and look like? So that's our itinerary 
for the message today. So let's get started with what is rest? What is Merriam-Webster's definition of what rest is? It's easy. It's a bodily state characterized by minimal function, freedom from activity or labor. And the last one was interesting because I didn't think about this when I was thinking about it, but peace of mind or spirit. And I was like, okay, that makes sense. I was like, that's, that's worldly rest. I understand that. And I was like, that, that still, it's kind of vague, right? There's no, there's no point to it. It's just idleness is what comes to mind. Where if a car is at rest, it's idling, right? That's, that's the term. And so I was like, that doesn't seem like a good thing. If I'm idle and just sitting around, I'm resting, right? That was my thought process. Well, my boy, John Lubbock, a really old British guy, has this quote. It says, rest is not idleness. And to lie sometimes on the grass under trees on a summer's day, listening to the murmur of water or watching the clouds float across the sky is by no means a waste of time. And so that punched me in the face. I was like, all right, well, my thought of rest being idleness is now out the window because he makes valid points in that statement alone. And this speaks to the world definition of peace of mind or spirit. We're lucky to live up here in beautiful New Hampshire where you walk outside and you can't help but take in the breathtaking scenes of the mountains or the forest or when it hits fall and all the trees are changing colors. People drive from everywhere just to drive down 93 and pull over on the side and take pictures. They're resting in that process because they're having a peace of mind or spirit. And that's cool to think about. You know, it's cool to think that taking a hike up a mountain for some people is restful. They're nuts, right? Walking up steps for me sometimes gets me winded. I'm not going to hike up a mountain to feel rest. But for some people, that's their peace of mind or spirit. For some people, resting is getting off a long day of work and just not having anything to do and being able to crack open a soda or a nice cold one, relax on a couch and watch football. Like, hey, sign me up. I'm there. Mowing the lawn, go and watch football and crack open a cold one. I'm all, yeah, I'm all for that. That's restful. You know, for me, oftentimes at the end of a day, I'll sit down and play an hour or two of video games. And that for me is restful. It's an escape and it allows me to just be free-minded and not feel like I'm being labor-intensive on different things or feel like I need to do stuff, which is something that I struggle with. And then the, the one that became interesting after looking at it is the bodily state characterized by minimal function. And so this is where we get into the idea of rest for someone hiking a mountain. If they're in shape, it's probably minimal function for them. Kudos. Minimal function for me, give me some pizza rolls to the mouth. Minimal function, right? And so it's interesting how we feel as though it's necessary for each of us to speak about people taking rest, but rest looks different for everybody. And so for us to speak to that directly, I would say is wrong because what's minimal function for one person might be laborious for somebody else. 
as someone that loves people, if I'm not around people, I can't rest. I was forced to take a vacation, and the first 24 hours on that vacation, I was a wreck. It was me and my puppy, and I could, my mind could not stop racing. I didn't know what to do. I was just a mess because I was by myself. I don't do that well. That's why I have college students living with me because I hate being by myself. Right, so while there are other people where being around nobody, that is perfect rest. That I would get sick. And so this is what makes rest such an interesting topic is because it's relative. And anything that's relative, whatever argument you have is valid for what it looks like. And so going back, and by no means am I justifying me saying that I was resting while working 70 hours and doing all those different things because I wasn't, but to some people, that is restful for them. You think about CEOs of big companies that work 130 hours a week, that's what they know. That might be restful for them. And so to further kind of figure out if, I'm, if I care for someone and if I want them to truly be healthy in this state of rest, we need to look at what the Bible says about rest. And there's no better example in the Bible that we could look at other than God. The first time we ever see rest happen is in Genesis 2. It's the first time the word appears in the Bible. And it says, by the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all of his work. Now, if we, if we take that in context, that matches up with the world's definition of what rest is. Right? Free from activity or labor. Peace of mind and spirit. Minimal function. Right? So if we go back in, in the Old Testament, it was written in Hebrew. The Hebrew word for rest here is Shabbat, which is where we get the Sabbath. And it says to cease or desist from labor. Cease is a strong word to stop. That's why they use it in military. Cease fire means an immediate halting of what you were doing. To desist from labor is not to just stop it, but it's to refute labor. And I think that's where we get caught up today is I might be in the middle of rest. If someone asks me to do something, I'm going to do it. Well, then I'm not resting because I didn't desist labor. I didn't refute that process. I didn't cut out a time for me to rest if I interrupt it with something else. It's me just being lazy until the next thing pops up. And so here we see that God, our Father, the perfect being in all of existence, rested to show just how important it is that once you get everything done that you wanted to get done throughout the week, kick back and relax and breathe. And I'm sure God was taken in the sights because he made it a beautiful place and then not so beautiful people. Uh, <laughs> um, but so to, to further emphasize God taking rest, we're going to go ahead and read 
verse 3 of this. It says, Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because in it he rested from all his work, which God had created and made. And the word that I want to pay attention to is he sanctified it. He made it holy. So not just is resting a good thing and a healthy thing, but it's a righteous thing to do. And this is where I was wrong in the life that I used to live. Here, I was trying to do all these different things, and and I was rushing around trying to be righteous, but I was ignoring one of the major first things that God ever said makes a righteous thing, and that's to rest. It blew my mind. I was like, well, crap. I was doing the opposite of what I thought I was doing. And so resting is not only blessed by God, but it's the righteous thing to do in God's eyes. And so I think this also, this goes back to John Lubbock's quote of it's not idleness. God doesn't like idleness, but this means rest with a purpose. Rest with the purpose of not doing anything, cutting out a block to be at peace of mind and spirit. My excuse of rest was I had nothing to do at that point in time. That's not rest, that's idleness. That's bad. So now let's get into the fun part, and we're going to look at examples from Scripture of either other people talking about rest or telling others to rest, or Jesus himself and what rest or what he had to say about rest. The first one we're going to look at is in Jeremiah. And this is Jeremiah the prophet talking to some people. And at 6.16 he says, Thus says the Lord, stand by the roads and look and ask for the ancient paths where the good way is and walk in it and find rest for your souls. So the interesting part about this is, again, this is a prophet speaking the words of God to a group of people. It says, stand by the roads, look, and ask for the ancient paths. That's kind of a a cryptic message. If I'm standing by a road, I'm not going to see like where there was a dirt path back in the Pony Express. Like that's not going to happen. But what he's talking about is the ancient paths of the way people used to live. The way people used to rest and take quiet and solace in God. Keeping the Sabbath holy is what this verse is speaking to specifically. Because Israel has lost, they lost that that concept. And so the Sabbath is is a touchy subject for some people. Some people think it's Saturday. Some people think it's Sunday. It doesn't have to be a specific day. Shabbat, again, is rest. Just a moment of rest. Cut out a block of your time to rest. Jeremiah adds that once you find the the ancient paths, where the good way is and walk in it, find rest. So if we find the righteous path, the good path, that's rest. That's where we feel revitalized. That's a comforting verse to know that if I'm walking on a path that I create myself, 
I'm probably not resting, right? Being a pilgrim is not very restful. Being a trailblazer is not very restful. But good thing for us is we have a book that talks about everyone that has walked this path with God before us and how to do it. According to us, it's like an ice path. There's no friction if we choose so. We can just glide forever. But we're human. We choose not to. Or we don't know how to skate. One of the two. Right? So the second example that I want to look at is Matthew 14, 22 to 23. This is right after Jesus gets done feeding a bunch of people. It's a popular story. It says, immediately he made the disciples get into a boat and go ahead of him to the other side. Well, he sent the crowds away. After he sent the crowds away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. And when it was evening, he was there alone. So again, talking about people climbing a mountain to rest. That's not me. It was Jesus. Jesus did it multiple times. But so here we see Jesus, after performing a miracle of feeding the 5,000, after doing work in, in teaching his disciples, he knew it was necessary to go off and be alone. He just expended all of this energy, all of this love to people that he needed to be refilled. And so how did he do that? Went to spend time with his father. And so for us, I think this is where most people live within the busyness of our lives and we get everything going everywhere around us. We don't take time for ourselves. There's an old pastor uh, creator of the message version of the Bible, uh, I was given a biography of his um, by our co-pastor Steve Vino when I was first being yelled at to rest because he speaks very highly of it and in a very interesting way. As a pastor of a church, one of the first things that he would speak out to the church was not to talk to me on a specific day. I'm not available on this day. Why? my sabbath you can get me any other day of the week you can have me 24 6 the rest of the week but this is my day to rest to refuel to revitalize my soul so that i can continue to serve you in an accurate and proficient way and that speaks volume because as as ministers as as leaders of a ministry or a pastor the congregation should be able to get a hold of you at all times, right, if something comes up. And there were exceptions to the rule. If there was like a, a death or something like that, he would, he would make exceptions. But on the contrary is the congregation should want the pastor to be at his best. And so there's this conflict of selfishness that happens because the pastor knows he needs rest, but then there's people that feel like their need supersedes his need for rest. And so there's a, a butting of heads sometimes. Right? I, it's why pastors and ministers take sabbaticals. It's like, look, I'm gone. You won't give me a day of rest while I'm here, so I'm leaving. 
I'm going up on a mountain to pray. I have a friend who's a pastor who's currently hiking the AT trail for his sabbatical. That's not restful. That is the opposite. But they're almost done. They're supposed to be done in two weeks, which is awesome. It was him and his family. I'm sure for them it was restful. But to not have the pressure, the, the obligation of a herd, even for a day or a couple hours, is required as a pastor, as a minister. Because if we keep pouring out and pouring out, we're going to be left with nothing. As much as Jesus is our living well and it never runs dry, we as humans, we run dry. We need fed by other people. We need people invested in us. And so that hits really hard, and then I think it's really hit home here with Jesus. And we see this a couple of times. Even before Jesus gets crucified, he goes out and he's like, guys, I'm in a rough spot. I need to go pray. And we all know that prayer. That was Jesus resting, sweating blood. That, whew. No thanks, right? But so within our craziness of the world and within our, our misconception maybe of what rest is, I want to I end on an encouraging note of, of how can I do this amidst everything that's going on. And so for this, we're going to turn to Mark. We're going to look at what taking rest is. We're going to look at Mark 4. We're going to read 35 to 40. It says, That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, Let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was. In the boat, there were also boats. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up and waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? This is always a fun story to to try and visualize, right? So we know most of the disciples were fishermen. They've probably been out in bad weather before. They probably know what they're doing when that comes. And yet here they're, they're shown as, as really scared kids and freaking out and asking just the thought process of them like rock, paper, scissoring, who's going to go up to Jesus and wake him to be like, hey, don't you care if we die? Like, to me, I just, it's comical. I laugh when I visualize that in my head. But it's such a, it's, it's a really good story of rest amidst craziness of life, right? We have Jesus and the disciples, two very opposite spectrums of resting. And we can see ourselves amidst this all the time, Right? It's why the, the term stormy weather or whatnot is used so much in worship songs because everyone knows if it's stormy weather, oh, that's life going nuts, right? That's a commonality that we have. 
So what I want to do is I want to take a look at the disciples first, because I think most of us fall into these categories of why we can't rest. And I think some of us might fall into all three categories, which means you're probably not resting at all. First one is fear. Because of the storm around them, because of what was happening in life and what they had running in their mind, they became fearful. If my mind is running rampant, I can't rest. Definition, peace of mind. Secondly, what their focus was. They were focused on the squalls around them. They were focused on the waves starting to flood into the boat. Now, we all know boats are built with mandatory water like flow-off areas. right? So it can take waves into the boat, but due to the fear and then due to the squalls getting into the boat, that was escalated. Where it was no longer, oh, our boat's built to handle some water, it was immediately we're going to drown, like zero to 150 immediately. Right? Just take a second and think of the last time that happened to you where yeah, I deal with college kids a lot where they forget to print a paper and it's automatically, I failed a class, I have to redo college or drop out. It's like, it's a paper. You're not going to fail a class because you forgot to print a paper. Email it to your professor. Right? But when we mix that fear and we get focused on things that really don't matter, they both get es- escalated immensely. And then the last one is faith. When they go up to Jesus and they're like, don't you care if we die? And now there's underlyings to this comment because Jesus handpicked these 12 people. So they knew they were important to him. Jesus has spent years teaching them and, and loving on them and sharing life with them. And so it's almost like a parent-child relationship. And so this is the child going up to their parent being like, hey, don't you care if I die? At this moment? That's a hard question to ask. But how many times have we went to God and be like, don't you care if I'm happy? Mm. Well, yeah, he does, and he wants you to be. Right? But we lose that trust and we lose that faith in God whenever we are midst fear and whenever we're focused on the things around us instead of on who God promises that he is and who Jesus said he was. So that's us in this situation. Uh, I won't speak for everyone. That's me often in this situation. But now let's look at our example. Jesus is the perfect example that we have if we ever want to look into how we should handle life because not only was he 100% God, but he was 100% man. And so... We'll run through this same rubric with Jesus. Was he fearful? No, he was catching Z's. In the midst of a storm, getting splashed by water, he was probably dreaming he was on a beach, right, with his cushion. Not a fear at all. And you can feel a boat rocking even if you're sleeping. So he, he had to have known what was going on or hearing the yelling. Right? What was he focused on? Rest. He just got done doing work. He needed to take a break. So he took that time. 
amidst the craziness of life, he was like, that storm can hold on. I'm going to work on resting for myself. That's powerful, right? In the midst of a storm, just being like, all right, time out. Time out waves, time out wind. Let me sleep and then I'll, I'll deal with you later. That doesn't happen in real life for most of us. Lastly, faith. Jesus had the full trust that God was going to take care of him. Because God has promised that. God has promised that amidst the craziness of our lives and amidst all of that, he promises to take care of us. And if we can't rely on that promise, if we don't truly buy into that truth, then that means we're automatically one step away from being able to rest. So what I want to challenge you guys with today is to to think about where you are in this story. I think there's there's three people to really pay attention to. One is the disciples as a whole. Scared, focused on the world around them, and losing faith. The second one is the unlucky dude that approached Jesus to wake him up. But the cool thing is he actually asked the question. He stepped forward and was like, why is this happening? Took initiative to figure out how he can rest in this situation. Instead of just going with the waves and being tossed back and forth, he wanted to figure out a way to stop it. Oftentimes, we just take life as it is and don't look for a way out because we expect it to happen that way. We expect the worst sometimes. This guy wanted out, and he wanted out quick. And then there's Jesus. Wasn't fearful of what was happening around him. Was focused on his own well-being his peace of mind and spirit. And lastly, his trust in God was firm and rooted where it needed to be. Let's pray. Father God, we pray to thank you for today. Uh, Pray to thank you for just the visualization of of a storm and what that can do for us and how we can lose sight of who you are and, and that can shake our trust and our faith in you. But God, I pray after hearing the message today and knowing that you yourself held, tr- held rest at such a high value that we can start to look at our lives and understand where we can put rest so that we can be revitalized and feel a closer relationship with you in the process. Father, we love you and we thank you for the fact that you do take care of us and that you do promise that. And we pray all this in your precious son, Jesus' name. Amen.